You know what I was thinking of this week, randomly? What? What was it? What were you thinking? Never say never. No, oh my never. God, yes. I never, never, never not love you. I don't know why, but it like totally popped in my head this week when I was working that on the podcast. That is so I think. funny. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's pretty special. <laughs> Take me to coffee. Guys, this is a mentorship podcast for the digital age. Gals, for anyone who looks outside of the box for inspiration. And knows just how important a great mentor can be. There you are. You're a great mentor. Hey there. From movie stars to blog writers to musicians straddling symphonies and Instagram, in this day and age, we have something to learn from everyone. So this is your weekly chance to get personal with people who've been down the road before you. And soak up a whole lot of inspiration from every corner of the internet. I have the CD still, a Blue Blood we, special. We we probably need to get it digitized. Everybody was listening and like, what the fuck are you talking about? We did this s- silly, farcy musical called Blue Plate Special. It was the first show we ever did together. And they, Ronnie, right? And Ramona, wasn't Ronnie the Frank. name of the two? Ronnie yeah. Frank. And they sang this fucking duet that... <laughs> It just was that that lyric over and over again. Never say never. I'm never, never, never. I'll never, never, never not love you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just over and over again. It's amazing. Basically, if you if you ever saw the the soap opera Passions. Oh, I forgot about that show. If you ever saw yeah. that soap opera, think about that, but set in like the Blue Ridge Mountains. Yes. At a diner, a blue plate diner. <gasps> side of fries, a side of side fries. Side of fries. There oh my God. No there was... Something but a side of fries. I oh forget my God. what the side lyric of fries. was. So like an all-American male. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> preacher, preacher, what's his fucking name? Larry David or whatever the fuck his name was. Like, oh, that was Doug. So now that we're talking about it, I'm going to like go see if it exists anywhere on the internet. Not our production, obviously, because it wasn't filmed, but like, and I'll link it in the show notes because it's yeah. really not worth a listen. <laughs> It it one hundred percent is actually, yeah, but you, it is. because like it's what really made me understand musical comedy. It was pretty funny. It was one of those shows that I was like, because I didn't understand, I didn't know what yeah. it was. I was just doing it, and then I look back on it, and I was like, oh my god, oh my gosh, Andrew. You know, I never really thought about that, but like, so if you're listening and you happen to have seen like Andrew and Found. It's very, that role is very similar to where you ended up at when people finally figured out you were funny because yeah. there was like that weird period where you were just supposed to be really serious and like, you know, leading man-ish. Right. But I mean, you're always a leading man in my heart, oh, but you thanks. know. Yeah, you're I welcome. appreciate it. But isn't, that is crazy. I never thought about that, that you kind of like had that first. Um, that was my first experience with musical comedy. And I was like, oh my God, this is like a lot of fun. Yeah, like broad. Oh yeah. Huge, yeah. over the top, ridiculous. Uh, sat satirical <laughs> campy just super campy camp oh my god all camp and then every role i've done from then on has been pretty much that <laughs> uh, every, every bit of theater has been like lived in the camp world i mean of course you can be serious but it was oh well laundry's that's done. a really dramatic alarm <laughs> it's aggressive my wife actually hates it so much she's like i hate that so much okay i I have hatched a plan this week. Tell me if it makes any sense. Okay, tell me. Because I'm fucking, I can't do this much longer. And I'm, I'm going nuts. I'm going right? Nuts. Like in this apartment, oh, I yeah. can't really go do much. And I just, again, I know we've discussed this, but I don't fundamentally believe mm-hmm. in New York City, it's going to be quickly back to like, you can just be out all day and doing things, right? Nope. Yep. So I'm like, as always, looking towards the future. Like, how can I fix this problem? <laughs> 
So I have this theory, I think, that if you get like six people together from the city, you go in on a house somewhere, like either upstate or in the, like I actually started calling around in the Rockies where I work in the summers usually to see if anybody's house is going to be empty. Uh You all travel once the travel opens back up, right? Then you all quarantine for two weeks in this big house with outdoor space. And then you just live together for the rest of the summer while this is still fucking going on so that you are just with the same six people in a more remote area, right? So you're not like actually cross bringing in shit. And then you have outdoor space and you have people around because like I'm I'm so by myself, you know? What do you think about this plan? Is this a good plan? I think this is a great plan other than you've got to be really solid with the people that you take on this trip with you. That's true. That's true. It's like uh, it's one of those like zombie apocalypse scenarios type thing. Like you Uh you have to be good with them because there might be murders. There might be murders. murders. You know, if you get fucking... If you get sideways with somebody, then you're stuck with them in that house totally. for God knows how long. Uh, I actually, you know, I posed this to a couple of buddies of mine, um, Jay and Justin. If they listen, they don't fucking listen. They're assholes. Um, they, uh, <laughs> Shout out to Jay and Justin. We've we've always said in a zombie apocalypse scenario or like w- weird apocalypse scenario, we would have a compound that we'd all purchase together. Yeah. Or one of us had purchased, but everybody goes to, to yep. hide out, to duck it. You know, it's your bug out. It's your bug yep. out scenario. And... Uh, we just never came together. We just, we, we haven't done it yet. Like somebody just needs to like buy a house upstate and then we'll call it the compound and they'll all right. just show up and it'll be fucking, yeah, or something yeah. like that. But yeah, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. But in application, maybe it's a rental property. Maybe it's not a buying thing. I don't, oh, I don't know how much I agree with like buying and, and to be I dead serious buy. about this. I wouldn't buy anything with friends. No, that's a terrible <laughs> I mean, idea. No matter how much I love them or how close I thought no. that we would be like, no. I'm never going to buy anything with friends. Like I barely buy anything with my wife like i'm not gonna fucking buy like right. a major piece of property yeah my first move i so i texted someone someone that used to be on the board at the theater in the rockies that i work at yeah. and i was like where where should i be looking and she's like well why don't you look on vrbo and see what's open but then like let's go through some of the people in town and see if you can bypass the site and they might like give you a deal because they know you and yeah. a lot of people's houses are going to be empty this summer because people are not going to want to travel yeah. right. um and and I'm, and also, Andrew, I'm like kind of like I don't have time to wait for the summer. Honestly, I want out now. I want to go be go out if, now. May. I, I wanted to go three weeks ago. I know you did. I, I posed this question to my wife. I was like, Hey, listen, I know she's like, I don't know what's going on. I don't want this and that and this and that. I was like, Well, let me start looking at houses upstate. And then by the time I finally got to it, I was like looking at places, looking at places. And then she was like, Well, no, no, no. Let's wait. Let's wait. Let's wait. And then all of a sudden, March. 24th or whatever hit and they were like nope airbnb is not taking reservations upstate they're not taking any more reservations right. from anybody you've had to have had a prior reservation or worked with somebody to actually get into oh, that place before i was like wow. oh god damn it i missed the window <laughs> i missed the window and then you know i've got another buddy of mine who escaped uh. to uh some fucking provincial estate in maryland and i was like you uh. son of a bitch god damn it you son of a bitch yeah it's funny i just i love new york with all my heart but like it yeah. doesn't work in a quarantine <laughs> no unless you've got like a huge patio you know right 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 if i don't have purpose and I, I find this and i've been battling with with this being an actor in new york city for the last 20 years like i if i'm not working here mm-hmm. there is no point for me to be here right right you know what i mean like i'm not yeah. a city guy i'm not a i'm not a manhattan guy like yeah. i just i don't live that life i don't have that like you know ethos is not that's not my fucking thing right today's guest Hello. So excited. Just a cold segue. Just <laughs> yep. chip the ice block. There you go. <laughs> it felt like the right time. I don't know. I did. I know. It felt right to me too. We've been sitting on this for a couple of weeks. 
Uh, mm. I've been really excited to get this one out. What are you making faces at me for? <laughs> I make faces because you because when you sit on something, it really. Oh Jesus Christ! Um, Nathan Chan, our new buddy Nathan Chan, is with us today. Nathan Chan is one of the most interesting people we've had a chat with. Um, we talk to a lot of interesting people. We say interesting all the time, but like, there's so many wonderful variant personalities out there. This guy was a very special one. He's a really, really special guy. Nathan is like, well, he's a classical music, another classical musician that's like really doing amazing things on the internet as well. He straddles both worlds, like very traditional classical music, symphony sort of life, and he makes videos. And his personality is also like that sort of dual thing. He's got this insanely contemplative, nerdy, deep technical understanding of music. But mm-hmm. then he's just all of this wild creativity and sort of like, um, I don't know, surveying the universe. Yeah, of ideas. like this kind of <laughs> ethereal um, genius that he's like, you, you're always like, you look at him and you're like, what are you thinking about? Are you solving all the world's problems and then also yeah. doing it via TikTok? Yeah, like it's it's fucking hysterical. I mean, Nathan Chan has performed as a soloist with the San Francisco Symphony, the Royal Philharmonic, the Albany Symphony. Um, that's just a f- to name the very few of the prestigious soloist jobs that he's performed with. And now he's currently with the Seattle Symphony Orchestra. He's awesome. I have to reflect on the fact that this guy is, what, twenty in his 20s? Mid-20s, yeah. Mid-20s, fresh out of Juilliard, like... This guy has played some of the most prolific places with some of the most prolific symphonies in the world. What did you what did you learn from Nathan on our coffee date? Like is there one like take because you know our lives are very different and you know of course we we are in different disciplines but was there anything that you walked away really thinking in a new way about? Yeah, I was like actually one thing that I that struck me so much from him is that like the thoughtfulness of his genius was Mm. so special to me. You know, the fact that he could sit back and be like, oh my God, these are the bigger problems in the world. How do I address that, but also stay, you know, authentic? And how do I um, create and share without being maybe a little snooty? Mm -hmm. You know, there's something Mm -hmm. that was very like really approachable about him and like thoughtful it, i can't i keep saying thoughtful because you'll hear it if you're listening did, you'll yeah, hear you'll, it in his cadence right like in yeah, the way everything he, he does is like very you know with thought out it's extremely thoughtful and he's like there's an empathy there that was like really wonderful yeah but also like but driven by people by by his passion it was very mm-hmm. it's a very weird it's a very strange thing to understand but i want you guys to listen to all the way through this episode because it uh it's it's an eye opener it really is man we get into some heavy stuff we get into some fun stuff and definitely i mean his tiktok that last video that he put out on tiktok was so it's fucking so funny to good. me and his inspiration comes from everywhere just like oh, like we you're inspired by somebody around you like he this dude literally was like i saw this one thing yeah and then i created an entire tiktok around it, it it's it's absolutely ridiculous <laughs> nathan is amazing so Don't forget, head over to Twitter, Instagram, give us a follow on TM2C Podcast. Recommend us to someone. If you like the podcast, we don't have a lot going on right now. Recommend us to someone who needs something great to listen to. We actually got a really cool couple of months coming up with guests. Um, And if you do follow us on social media, you can leave a video ask or an audio question for an upcoming guest. You can also recommend folks that we should talk to. I mean, what else you got going on right now? Put in your headphones, put it on your fucking Sonos or put it on whatever listening device that you listen to. Just like 
go down the rabbit hole with TM2C Podcast. We talk to a lot of people. You'll hear me say fascinating and amazing and cool and ridiculous all the time. Fascinating. And maybe like play a, play a fucking drinking game to how many times that I repeat oh bullshit <laughs> sentences and phrases. We hope you enjoy this episode of Take Me to Coffee with Nathan Chen. Ah, your computer has an Ethernet port? No, I ordered an adapter also. <laughs> and we've come full circle, folks. That, how is that? How is that possible? I go back to using a hamster and a wheel to power my devices. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hilarious. Thank you for joining us, Nathan. We've been trying to do this forever, and Yay. now we all have a fuckload of time. So great, blessing and a curse. I love a fuckload. I really, I love, I love the denomination fuckload. <laughs> it should be added into the uh, the Corona lexicon of 2020. The fuckload of time. We have a fuckload of time. Quarantine time, baby. Are you guys both based in New York? I'm bi-coastal. I do New York, LA, although not now, apparently. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I only do Midtown Manhattan. I don't go anywhere else. (laughs) Nice. No one's been going out. No one's doing anything crazy, right? No. We've been quarantined, like you guys probably, because you're in Seattle, right? Wuhan 2.0, baby. Yeah, seriously. We're, we were just, just behind you guys and like getting court, like self isolating and stuff. So I don't know. We're on like, I'm on day 12, I think. Day eight. I think we're on technically on day eight, but right. it's got to be. It's way I, I up there. I did it earlier. What about you? Yeah, I haven't left my apartment since my, my last orchestra rehearsal got canceled, which would be, and I can tell you the exact day, <laughs> that was March 11th. So it's been. 13 uh, days. Uh, God, that's insane. Are you going out for walks and stuff? No, never. <laughs> <laughs> I don't leave my apartment. I don't open the... I literally have gone out maybe twice. One to throw out the trash and a second time to get some food delivered. It feels like a like a classical musician's dream in my head. Like my classical musician friends who spend, spent all their time in the practice rooms, you're like, I got this. I'm really used to this. My whole apartment <laughs> is my practice room now. It's great. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you live yeah. alone? I do. I that do. helps, too, I think. Yeah. My poor friends who like have yeah. three roommates here in New York, they're like, the fuck? Yeah, it's scary. So we're in these tiny spaces with all these people. That's wild. <laughs> I think it, it's it's a, a simple density problem in New York. It's it's really yeah. tough to not to not be around a lot of people in New York. Yeah, I keep thinking like we've talked a lot on this podcast, as you can imagine, in the last couple of days about like fear and whether what we can do. But and I'm not super fearful, but I definitely am like do I really want to go to the grocery store? Because that involves me having to deal with the elevator and the door. And there's so many people in my building. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if they're being careful. (laughs) I know. You really just can't tell. The only thing, I'm I'm treating it like I've watched all these zombie movies and all these horror films. Yes, It's like I am finally given the opportunity to do everything I've always yelled at the TV. Oh, it's so true. Right? I mean, that's a really great way to look at it. Any (laughs) post-apocalyptic film that you've ever wanted to like film critique. Or make the right choices where you wanted the characters to make the right choices. Right. Mm -hmm. Don't touch that. You could, I mean, this whole thing started because you touched that door handle. Why'd you touch that door handle? Oh my God. Now you don't have to. It's 28 days later. And Contagion. It really is. And like every horror movie ever, honestly. I know. (laughs) 28 days later. Remember that? Yeah. You know how popular those movies are right now? Oh my gosh. Outbreak. Outbreak is like trending number two on Netflix right now. 
I rented Contagion. Yeah, I rented Contagion. <laughs> I haven't done it yet. How did it? What was the experience like in light of all of this? To be honest, I felt the trailer was better than the movie. Oh dang! You know how trailers nowadays—they're giving away all the movie. Yes. What the fuck is that? I don't know. I'm not really sure. Well, it's because the movie's terrible. Well, because it's the movie's <laughs> terrible, and they're like, they've got to be able to sell it somehow. I mean, any great movie is not going to give you a great trailer. I'll give you a, a modest trailer that will pique your interest, and you'll be like, oh yeah, I'll watch that. And then you see it, and you're like, that's fucking amazing. But now mm. most of, now most of these blockbusters get made, you know, in fucking three weeks. And they're exactly. like, oh, shit, unless it's like a Michael Bay film or something. And then you're like, well, I'll, I'll watch all that action because I know exactly what I'm going to get from Michael Bay. Right. <laughs> but the other ones, you're like, that fucking sucks. And I've seen it, like Invisible. I watched the Invisible Man reboot. Uh, with Ooh, I heard Moss. that was bad. It was stinky farts like <laughs> coming out of my butt. It was so bad. It was so fucking bad. Like I sat there and watched it, but it was stinky farts coming out of my butt. We never ask our guests who we don't know very well uh, if they're down with like the explicit me- uh, nature of our podcast. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck awesome. yeah. Good. Thank God. <laughs> I'm just warming up. That's all. <laughs> Great. What are you drinking? Good. What okay. kind of coffee Perfect. are you drinking? I made myself Yum. a latte. Ooh. Oh, what kind of latte? What kind of what, what blend? What blend are you blending with? Um, I'm using beans from Slate Coffee Roasters. I can tell you the blend of beans. Hold Slate. on, I'll be yeah. right back. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> we'll take it. Amazing. We actually have. I feel like we have had so much stress in our lives this week that we haven't had time to talk about coffee or like the bandwidth to be like, let's stop for a second and talk about our coffee. I'm just getting into the coffee. Wait, you're in Seattle and you're just now getting into it. I know. I, I'm i one of those noobs that's been on an espresso machine for like two years. That's and okay. And I finally upgraded. Well, this is this is funny that you say that because you definitely heard my Nespresso machine going crazy because my wife was making herself a latte. Yes. And you go, I knew I recognized oh, that. Nespresso! I knew it! I know the sound! <laughs> it's so funny. That's that's another one of the byproducts of like this new where everybody's home. I was editing the episode that came out today. And at the end, I was able to cut around most of it. But at the end, just flat out, Andrew's wife is like washing dishes or something while he's nice. talking underneath. And there's nice. just nothing to do with it about it at this point. You know what I mean? So yeah. whatever. But that's the reality. Again, that's the reality of this podcast and the reality of the world today is like shit's going to go on. Shit's going to happen. And we just kind of let it, we let it roll because it might yeah. be good. might be bad. You never know. There's a good question to start off with for you, Nathan. I mean, you're mm. in the classical music industry, which seems so practiced and perfect and, you know, intentional. Polished. Polished. Yeah. How, how's this all going for your industry? <laughs> you know, it's 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 been pretty crazy because you see these big institutions like this week, the Met, New York yeah. Phil, these big institutions that I guess – from a, a player's perspective, you view as like the pinnacle in mm-hmm. terms of both yep. uh, financial health, in terms of artistic excellence, these types of things. And now you're seeing that everyone's really truly vulnerable mm. to this this kind of global epidemic. And it's quite humbling and also a little bit scary because, for example, here at the Seattle Symphony, we haven't really made a decision going forward on whether or not we're even finishing out the season. And I know we're having like a last minute board meeting on March 31st to see whether or not we're going to work or whatnot. And what, what the, what, if we're going to get paid, if we're going to get laid off. And so it's been quite a scare and just figuring out it's humbling in that in 
the end, you know, we're all just artists and musicians and we're kind of just here to make music and, and hopefully bring our communities together with or without these institutions. Man, that just makes me think through all of the, I'm going to get a little teary, all of these conversations we've had over the last six months on this podcast with people like your friend Drew Ford, our friend Drew Ford, classical musicians Ken Kubota, to the folks, Broadway husbands who both lost their Broadway jobs, Mm. to people who are just making their own stuff. And and this is such a massive equalizer in that way. I mean, we've talked a little bit about that, but I just think Mm. I never thought about it in that way specifically for our artists. Right. And you have all these different tiers of musicians in terms of how they're making their living. And to see it be so universally affected, it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, how are you processing it on your own? So, you know, you said the word humbling quite, quite a bit. How are mm-hmm. you? How are you moving forward each day, not knowing in that place of not knowing? It's been quite strange. And, you know, making videos on social media has always been something that I've kind of done for fun on the side Mm -hmm. to keep me, keep my creative juices flowing and really make sure I'm producing things that I really want to create for this world. But all of a sudden to see all my friends turning to this world too, or they're creating videos online. Mm -hmm. um, It's, it's a strange, but also I can't tell whether I should be excited or also a little freaked out because in a way technology is flattening the playing field and it's letting everybody create in this unique way but at the same time it's totally changing the name of the game and how we're going to move forward I think. Do you think that with technology we're going to and I'm always all about the human connection and I'm about that like Mm-hmm. personal spatial um you know energy and things that move move in that world that way how do we grapple with that element being gone do you know what i mean do we make it more approachable do we stop the filters do we stop like being something that we're not or do we even put up more catfish do we put up more of a front to get people in with the content as opposed to, are we going to expose ourselves more and be more real now that this digital, the the black mirror is there? Well, I've always been a big believer that no matter what, no matter how good a piece of content is online, you can tell whether or not it comes from a genuine mm. place. Yeah. And I think for me, at least seeing what others have created, it's stripped away some of that. Um, the facade you can build. The artifice. Yes. Yeah, the yeah. artifice of it all. Yeah. Because in the end, people realize ultimately that's what really matters in this moment, in this in this strange time that we're living. So maybe it's going to make us rethink that packaging of our content in that sort of way. And I, mm-hmm. I it, that's kind of hopeful to me. I think people are being more real than ever. Have you cha- Have you made anything in the last thirteen days? I have. Um. Well, we're doing. I'm kind of doing several things on several fronts from a, from my organization at the Seattle Symphony's perspective, we're just this week, we are starting right away when we uh, had to cancel all concerts in the hall due to Governor Jay Inslee's ban on groups of 250 people or more. And now just yesterday, a stay at home ban, we had this idea to create and collect videos from each of the musicians in the orchestra that Starting mm-hmm. just yesterday, we're going to every day release a video out to our community 
kind of sharing great. how we're still making music. Um, so that's that's a great thing f- through the orchestra's perspective. For for me, I've been cr- creating content both on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, yes, in that that utilizes a little bit, perhaps more editing production sort of thing. I think there's a whole spectrum of of what I'm interested in creating. There's a, the very honest type of I just want to play cello for you. You know, this is me my way of of of, of giving you comfort during this time. And then on another side, I'm very interested in using a little bit of humor and entertainment to kind of lighten the stress that's going on. And for me, that platform is Mm -hmm. TikTok. And so I've been creating some skits and things like that. So I think to have this varied type of production out there, um, that's kind of what's keeping me sane because I, I can't have everything be so, you know, oh my gosh, this is uh, such a horrible thing. Oh, of course not. Thing. No, I can't wallow gonna, in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just right. stressful. Yeah. You know, technology adoption and digital nativism is a long process for mm-hmm. most people, right? There's like, there are people who are early adopter beta, people like us, I assume, boom, got it. Yes, great. But then it's usually such a long process that they've just had their bell curve shortened for TikTok for all their other markets besides for young kids in like a week like that. It's fucking crazy. crazy. I mean, for better or for worse, because I know it's a little still unknown, you know, in Mm -hmm. terms of privacy issues and stuff. But have you started messing with like the duet feature and anything like that? Yeah, I I actually am really enjoying using TikTok. I think it at first it was very intimidating to me when I used it or I created an account maybe one or two years ago when it was branded as Musical.ly. Mm-hmm. I did not understand right. it. Everybody on the platform looked like they were like three years old. <laughs> but it's it's matured. I guess in that sense, I am not an early adopter all the time because I tried to early adopt TikTok and Musical.ly and I was like, I just do not get this. But now it's much more mature. It has a, a more defined culture. And I think I'm starting to understand mm-hmm. it a little more. I think the duet feature is wonderful within TikTok, but the the I think the killer feature is really the repurposing of music and sound. Right. Because that's where the true creativity right. comes in with TikTok. You have an original uh, sound or clip with a, a certain type of intention or meaning. And then you see all these different creators repurposing that sound remix to have these funny yeah. and new different meanings. And I find that very interesting because I know for myself, I think like that all the time in terms of I'm in orchestra and I hear a little excerpt and it reminds me of this other piece. And all of a sudden my brain is thinking about this other piece. And so <laughs> kind of, I, I, I come up with all my TikTok ideas like right before I go to bed because I, my mind is racing. <laughs> But it's 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 been really interesting. I'm I'm very excited to see how TikTok grows as a platform. You're remixing other people's stuff, or are you mostly putting out the primary content? I'm doing a little bit of both. I think it's good to do a little bit of both. What's your favorite thing you've done so far? Okay, let me show you. Yes, 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 come on, come on. Okay, yes. yes. So you have to understand the original sound, uh, which is this this lady. Um, I I forget her name. Oh. and she's trying to do a, I th- she's playing like some sort of heads up game and she's trying to get her friends to guess what <laughs> accent she's doing. And she's trying to do a Jamaican accent. Let me turn this up. So this is what happens in the video. Oh, 
so she messes up really hard in this accent. <laughs> okay. Oh She's my god. Playing some sort of charades okay. game, and that sure. was okay. what she thought in that moment a Jamaican accent is. So, so oh amazing. my god! <laughs> I repurposed that audio to uh, to um, uh, capture. The feeling it's like to sight read at an audition. I'm sure both of you, you're both actors. You have to do a cold read, okay? So here we go. Ah, yes. Let me just start it from the beginning. Um, are you? Oh, my you know what is weird about that in the best way is like we spent quite a bit of time talking to the broadway husbands about like you know the the impulse to endlessly scroll Mm -hmm. instagram right now Mm because we're all home but if you're going to have that impulse to scroll go over to TikTok and scroll. You do the same thing, but then you can kind of turn it into right. a creative, you know, exercise. So <laughs> interestingly enough, I I just learned about this uh, term called Finsta, which is a fake Instagram account. Because, yes. you know, all yes. of us, we, yes. we have our artistic profiles out there. We want to pr- show what we're yeah. doing to our world. And then we have yeah. some people at least have a fake Instagram account, private account where they can actually, sh- yeah. going back to, y- to your point, Andrew, about what's like the unpackaged version of you. And for me, right, I feel right. like TikTok can be, is my kind of finsta. Unpackaged. Oh, I that's love that. Fun. Yeah. Sorry. No, I was like, I was like, it always reminds me like TikTok is like a longer vine now, like where Instagram used to be that thing. Now, now TikTok's right. everybody's really splicing. I love the technology that they're able to do. Like you said, the incorporation mm-hmm. between music and like uh, video. Mm-hmm. When we were just talking about this the other day, I was like, the content that's going to come out from this is going to fucking change everybody's minds. I know. It's going to blow everybody's minds. We're going to have full, like, full series of that kind of, sh- like, stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm so excited to see what happens here. Yeah, like how, how, like, you were talking about that high production quality that, like, really great art creators that have gone digital, you know, got a hold of because they found it was what you know, got them attention. What's going to happen now that we get to have this experiment with much more lo-fi, fast, mm-hmm. quick and dirty stuff? You know what I mean? Because we're all quarantined. Like how how does Nathan Chan come out on the other side of this and that balance? That's you know true. what I mean? And who starts paying attention to you that never did before because you're making this like cool, quick Well, content? I've always kind of, it's interesting that you say like the classical musician is the polished, freaking perfect mm never messes up kind of person because I, I know growing up that was never who I was you know I tried mm. to practice as much as I could and, and make things as as great as I could but I I think my my forte in music making is the ability to communicate to tell a story to to mm-hmm. portray emotions mm-hmm. and for me playing perfectly has never been the most important part of that recipe book for me. And so I think I've always, I've always placed a great amount of importance in being kind of relatable and, and, and more casual in a way where I don't want to be, mm-hmm. I don't want to fall into that archetype. And so if TikTok is a wonderful way f- that I can have fun and also make people, invite people into the classical world in a way that's more comforting and less intimidating. That's that's kind of what my MO is. Uh, I don't want people to feel like that 
classical music is on this pedestal because in the end, actors, musicians, artists, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're trying to share stories and, and invite people into this world that feels so great to be in when, you know, you're in that moment and you're, you're on that stage and you feel that feeling. And I think that's my biggest problem with classical music is that it has that barrier to entry. And so my goal is to break that down. Yeah. Also, I just want to take a second for anybody who's listening who doesn't closely follow classical music. I mean, yes, you're an amazing communicator as a musician and you're very facile, but also let's toot your horn for a second. You are in a humongous symphony. So you also are technically incredibly capable. If I have learned anything from Ken, I think Andrew too, from Ken and Drew, I I feel like I've really learned what goes into getting a symphony gig and that's a big deal. They're they're, they're one of my best, they're two of my best friends. So they're, 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 they're biased. They're biased. They fucking love you, Nathan. <laughs> I heard you took good care of Drew while he was up auditioning. Yeah, that was an interesting experience. I kind of wanted to ha- let him have that experience for himself. And I hope he had a, he learned a lot from that. Yeah, I was on his podcast recently. I was out in LA and he was explaining to me how you guys like fly yourselves to like everything's on your dime to audition. Can you imagine, Andrew? They like fly, put themselves up. Every, and, you know, could do like eight auditions in a season or something. It's insane. And and what he said, one, two percent get jobs out of it. Um, well, there's this it's I like to explain the situation as it's a pure supply demand problem. There's sure. just so many amazing musicians coming out and there's not really enough jobs to to give everybody that that wonderful opportunity to make music with the, an organization backing you like like this and uh, it's um it's a it's a difficult thing to to kind of swallow going into the process and i know when i first started preparing for auditions uh probably starting my first year masters at juilliard with ken and mm-hmm. drew i was pretty what's the word i knew i could do it but the mental hurdles in order to get there were quite challenging. Let's put it that way. Oh, I knew I, I had the. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's get super. Let's get super meta. <laughs> I believe that the one thing that can separate anybody from anyone, the one thing anybody has control over in their life, is the amount of work they put into their craft. No matter what, no matter how talented you are, whatever opportunity, the one thing you have control in is you can just put your fucking head down in the ground and you just do the fucking work. And that's the one thing that you can, that's the best shot that you can have at getting anything done in this world. And so it's the the feeling of putting your head down when all these people are saying, this isn't this the numbers are not right the opportunities are cra- are crazy hard to get that's the hard part it's going like this and sticking your head in the fucking dirt and working your fucking ass off that that's the hardest part i think i feel like andrew is going to have something to say about that i mean there's really <laughs> nothing to say he, he's eloquently he's eloquently surrounded every single thing that we try to talk about on this podcast constantly is like <laughs> do the fucking work the results will come 
do the work. What do you think happens now that everybody has, there's no excuses at this moment for artists to do the work? That's a great question. Well, I think the the part that I feel the most afraid of is now it's not even a matter of finding in, in a, some sad way, it's not even finding success in terms of moving one's career forward. Now I'm, we have to step back a level. And now we're talking about pure fucking survival as a musician and an artist, how are you going to pay the bills? How are you going to survive? How are you going to make rent? And for me, I think that's very scary to, to, um, to think about because I don't know. It's making me rethink what I just fucking said about effort because (laughs) damn it. (laughs) Because in a certain way, me working hard for an audition, if you get a job, it leads you to a sense of financial stability to allow you to do other things. But now that is not necessarily a guarantee anymore. And so I think the whole model of survival as a musician is going to be changing over these next couple of months. And that really scares me. I I think as I'm observing myself over these last two weeks, I feel like I'm in a very familiar waiting room at the moment. I'm like, ah, I've been here before. You know what I mean? I've so, so many times in my life didn't know how much was coming in and, you know, I totally work on my own stuff and I'm getting some voiceover jobs, you know, here and there. And I've got some like real expertise around this stuff, but I feel like that lasts for another week. And then I panic. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've, if like things don't actually pull through because of what you just said. But right now I have this weird sense of security because I'm so familiar with being in this situation. Interesting. What you're describing is that you have a very high threshold to financial or you have a very high threshold to financial. Any kind of risk. Yeah. I'm, I, yes. I've, I'm, I have realized this last year that I have a bananas um, comfortability level with risk of all types that other people just mostly don't have. <laughs> That's great. The double thumbs up. I love that. I love that you just gave a double thumbs up. <laughs> Andrew, what, you were about to say something. I, I oh no, I'm you. saying. I mean, that is the paradox, though, that we're in right now. Is like, wh- how do we justify and how do we kind of shake up the old paradigm that we've had f- for so long? Of we you follow these rules, you work really hard, you go to this great school, you do this thing, and then you get to this level and you hit that, you find your stability and then you're able to create outside of that, right? So that's the new, the digital age that we've created for ourselves. We're still under the auspices of these old paradigms, but that's a consistency level, right? And now we go of options, right? So it creates, you've created stability for yourself. Now you can go into this other digital realm and start creating new content and be really creative on your own, right? But now even that is starting to get shaken up because we've lost the consistency and you've lost the stability. So now how do we tread across this like broken ladder across the the precipice? You know what I'm saying? Like you're at the edge of the, you're trying to uh, like go across a canyon and the ladder's breaking under your feet and you're like, how the fuck am I going to get from one side to the other? How do we, where do we go? You know, we've, we've discussed on this thing before we've discussed like, what's the, what's the new regime? What's the new well, how does it go? How do we come out on the other side of this? Because, you know, symphonies might not be around. I heard today that 75% of restaurants in this country will close. That's fucking Those people insane. will be out of jobs. 75%. I mean, they run on razor thin margins anyways. And this is just like toss them all into turmoil as far as liquid capital and things like that. So what happens with the symphony? I mean, what happens with these institutions 
that are mainstays and have given you and so many others such a great um, sense of stability, but also these coveted jobs are just going to be no longer viable for a large entity like us, the, the Seattle Symphony. What, what happens? Like, what's your, what are your thoughts? I can tell you my game plan. I'm not sure what my thoughts are. My game plan is to continue to make content and hopefully the the playbook on how that leads to some sort of stability yeah. will play mm-hmm. itself out. To be honest, I don't know if it's going to. That's the one thing I have in my control right now. Yeah. I I'm teaching a couple of students uh, via Zoom for some some income. Um, the big picture of it all that you're alluding to is is that somebody or someone is going to have to, I think, create a a new norm in society where we financially compensate other artists for creating content. That's kind of think about like your Patreons or your Twitch streamers. Mm-hmm. I think that well, it was already becoming a norm for many people, but now I think it maybe by force will be the new norm because that's the only way the economy is going to move forward in a way is there's a term for like the, the giving a co- what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. The yeah, sharing yeah. economy. What's a whether well, the share sharing economy is like Airbnb and stuff, but the giving economy. And I mean, p- to your point, right, because we get forced into a place where you're, you're actually not going to have any art at all unless you do this, you know? No, I know. But sometimes that's what it takes. Right. I mean, I, it's like not my preference. <laughs> but know? I'm saying art, art uh, things are born from necessity, right? Uh, like you, you're, you're born from the hard yeah. times, like all this creative new fun stuff. We, we just, just got to get, get through, through the fucking hard times. next couple and of years. So, yeah. But we're so early into this thing, too. Like. We're so early in it and everybody's like, oh my God, I'm going to get out of this quagmire. And like, I love the I don't people, think like, that's true, Andrew, because I feel like every single person we've talked to has not been like, oh my God, they've been like, here's what I've been thinking about. Here's what my ideas are. I actually feel like- You very- must also understand you're, you're talking to, to outliers in our- Right. You're picking right. very cool people. Right. You're thinking, you're talking- Innovators. That's what I mean. We're talking about people who are innovating. Yeah. <laughs> What about the other people? I don't know. Right. What do they do? The 98% of the other. What what I have found myself doing this week, weirdly, is because of all the stuff that I do, I have relationships with a handful, and it's growing, of big, huge companies that are going to be okay. And what I have been doing is just being fucking ballsy and writing these emails saying, look, I know how to make a thing. And I have a community of influencer performers that are dying to make stuff that you, you know, like, let me handle this piece of your business that I think could really benefit you, but you don't have the capacity or it's not your core competency, right? To know the stable of influencer performers or or how to make something remotely and do the rehearsal and everything. Let me handle that, but let me connect these two entities together so that we can start pre-solving some of this economic need. Do you know what I mean? That's awesome. I mean, whether it pans out or not, we'll see, but boy, I, uh, but you're doing the one thing you have in control. Notice that. Right. Right. Yes. Doing the fucking work. I was going to say that earlier about you too, Nathan is the nice thing is with your sort of like your game plan that you were talking about the videos and stuff you've got, because you did that work, 
and you've been doing it for a long time, again, your learning curve is also shortened because while everyone else is scrambling to, (laughs) can you even put, like, imagine, put yourself back in your shoes when you first made videos and all of the fucking shit you have to learn over all those years just by doing, that's That's where everybody else is now. So the good news is you're at the top of your industry in terms of your skill set, and you've been putting in the work on video making for so long. It frees you up to be more inventive, I think. Do you agree? I mean, I've been... I've been doing video work for for a while, yes, but I would definitely not say I'm one of the best. I did something. I did it for for fun and a way to express myself, but not necessarily to compete in terms of being the best video maker, uh, YouTube influencer out there, so that I could make it my stable stable job because I, by definition, did not need to, and so. Mm-hmm. I'm a little worried about that part, maybe. But I don't think anybody gets into the game for f- for the accolades, right? If like you, if that's you're truly true. trying to create, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, but you tiny you don't even sliver. really think about it. If you're like, if it happens, then it happens. But you get in because you love something and you want to do something, and that's what gives it the um, the attention to detail and the heart that we talked about, like you're watching people like expose themselves in a way that like is joyous and hopeful and creative and interesting. And mm-hmm. which is not what other people who, and, and in some cases, like people are out there just to make money, but in some, most instances, it's like, I just wanted to create a thing. Right. That's true. And now it happened to play out, you know? Right. Like Ken's JHM jam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was like, I just want to do a thing. I think that's the best example of what we're talking about because it's like literally just a fucking flat camera on the same wall in his living room every time. Do you know what I mean? And there's nothing like super fancy about it, but it has all the pieces that make a great video, whether it's highly produced or not a great YouTube sort of Mm -hmm. situation Mm -hmm. or Instagram, which is it's really personal. There's a lot of familiarity in it. And then there's this piece of moving art in it, you know, the actual playing of the song Mm -hmm. every week. And so it creates this um, thing that I want to go watch Mm -hmm. every time it comes out. You know, so true. But then you can do like what Drew did in the early days and make these incredible fucking highly produced, highly shot videos and kind of get the same thing. There's just lots of ways to skin a cat. That's true. And I will say this thing about Ken. He's one of the hardest workers I know. He always does. He always does. The, the work to make that video two times a week and he's got all this other stuff going on in his life and for me I that's that's very impressive ab- about Ken I think that's probably one of my favorite things about him because for me creating content it's not something I do when I don't feel like it um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I need oh, that yeah. creative inspiration because I I I want I want my content to really I want to be excited about my own content because I know if I'm excited about my own stuff, then I know other people will be too. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know why I said that, but it's, it's important to say. Hey, it's a cre- Absolutely. It's rule number one of creativity. Yeah. Make it for an audience of one, which is yourself. Is that a, is that a right. phrase? I love that phrase. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, right. Absolutely. For an audience of one. Absolutely. Heard that and that's, that's, you know, kind of alluding to what I was saying is like, that's the exact <clears throat> thing is like, you make it for yourself because you want to, and you love it. Mm-hmm. And then everything else from it, like if there's any collateral um, damage or influence or whatever on the outside, like that's fucking fantastic. People are interested in what you're doing. You're like, okay, cool. 
I'll mm-hmm. keep doing what I love and it just happens. I can really relate with that actually, Nathan, because I, I, I was thinking about this this week. Like I too uh, describe my creative, my digital creative process as like a supernova. I do these big, huge things and I do them once a year or do you know what I mean? And they're just really well done. And I'm, I've never been, um, the kind of artist that wants to, like Drew and Ken were like, have you not ever made like, you know, just singing in your living room videos. And I was like, no, never, not one. This podcast is the first thing I've ever made that has, it has come out every single week for six months. Wow. And it just took to, I'm just thinking about what you just said. It just, it just had to be the right thing. I think I just agree with you and can really resonate, right? Like the most stuff I'm doing, I, I'm also not interested in putting something out, but this podcast, I love putting out every week. How does doing the work on this podcast compare to the quote unquote supernova projects for it's you? It's equal, <laughs> which is a bizarre learning. You never experience. feel like it is. You never feel like one week you're just like, oh, I just really don't want to do the podcast this week. I'm not feeling it. I did, especially in the beginning. Um, as, and never with the recording, right? Like I love these conversations. Like I could literally do this for my living and be so happy, Mm -hmm. but you know, I cut the social media right now because we're bootstrapped and we don't want to spend money. We don't need to spend on this until it's sort of scaling up commensurately. Mm -hmm. And that I definitely was getting tired of and feeling resentful, but there was like an inflection point maybe a month ago where it's all gotten a lot easier. It takes me a lot less time to edit an episode, like by hours, it takes me a lot less time to cut the social media content and it's all systemized. Hmm. Um, even though it's something different every week, it's actually pretty systemized on my end. And so now I get to just enjoy the cumulative um, effect of putting it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now I find myself not really not wanting to do it. That's great. You're getting rid of the, yeah. the busy work or you're getting yeah. used to the busy work and you're enjoying the creative it. part more. I Normalizing think. it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And she nails it. Every week. She's uh, one of the that's greatest. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> you know, it is absolutely true. She's like the greatest producer slash co-host ever. Yay. Last week, we ha- we got this amazing... <laughs> I've been following this guy named Robert Darwell on Instagram forever. He is, I don't know, the most prolific entertainment lawyer of film and television in our lifetimes. He's Whoa. got five homes around the world. That's how big he is. But he runs an Instagram called The Daily Server. Mm-hmm. Um, and he features photos and stories of the, all the people around the world that give him great service at the bar or in a restaurant. That's cool. Which I, it's so cool. So we, we got him on, but it came out last week when all of this happened. And I got one piece of social media out last week, just when the episode came out in the Instagram stories and that's it. And I felt so fucking bad mm. because he's so big and that's such a big deal. But also like, man, you just can't do it all sometimes, you know, in the middle of a Corona crisis. Right, <laughs> right. How how has headspace and if I want to talk a, a little bit about the term headspace, doing the work that we're so used to normally doing, and having it be intruded by anxiety inducing news, how has that affected you? Because it's affected me a lot. Andrew, you should go first because I think you have a, a sort of interesting perspective on this. I am not perpendicular. An, yeah, yeah, perpendicular yeah, yeah, yeah. I am not an anxious person. I am not a nervous person. Um, I have recently, uh, I try to inform myself as much as possible. And I say that a lot on here as like information begets fear. So 
I am a huge proponent of knowing everything about a given subject or knowing everything as it comes out on a given subject. And that may change or vacillate or whatever, but I want to know all the information as it comes out. So I watch a lot of news and I hang out. Uh, but then I get news like, so there's been a part of my profession that has kind of left me that I was hopeful about that would stay because it was kind of an autonomous um, version of what I do. And mm-hmm. I was able to record at home and I'm able to do all these other things. And now part of that is gone because of this uh, economic collapse um, that were, that were kind of, or, Yes, it is a collapse that we're going through at this point. So I'm just kind of like, there was a moment and it was only a moment, but it was, it was actually like, I had to like, really like lay into it and lean into it a little bit of like, the fuck am I going to do? Like, what the fuck am I going to do? The anxiety has actually spurred a whole new creativity in my mind about, you know, doing this and really leaning in the podcast and talking to new people and seeing how your perspective is on it and taking from all these other places and kind of collaborating, whether it be directly or indirectly to create something completely new and flip it completely on its ear. Like what, where we, and like, again, back to the conversation, where, where do we go after this? Right. It's going to be a whole new world. So how do we fill a void? And it's I constantly, ours to make it's ours to make we got to do it out of passion and we have to do it, you know, and even if it is spurred, spurred on by anxiety and fear, it still begets a creative content or, you know, uh, an outlet of sorts. Interesting. How's your processing around it, Nathan? From the micro perspective, practicing has been quite, <laughs> quite hard. I sit, <laughs> I sit right over here. Just yeah. Looking out at the, well, not today, unfortunately, but this past <laughs> two weeks has been incredibly beautiful in Seattle. The weather's oh, been nice. amazing. I'm not going out. And I practiced for like 15 minutes and I just got to check my Reddit feed. R slash coronavirus. Uh, I got to know what's going on. Wow. The news is speeding up. I feel like I need, similar to you, Andrew, I kind of need to know yeah. what's going on, how... If to go back to our very first point we made at the beginning of this hour, the the how do you, how would you act differently than what's happening in an apocalyptic movie? Yeah. You need that information in order to act. Yeah. So true. And I'm practicing Bach, and I'm like, I'm not sure if my making my Bach a little bit better is going to help me survive when shit hits the fan. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but do you so, think that influences your does that influence your fingers does that influence your bowing does that influence like all the things like is it physically uh, manifesting itself in you in a way oh wow well is that what you have to get off is that what you have to go to the thing because you, you you lose focus is it is it a focus thing is it probably it's a focus thing but every intention musically must come from the mind first and then it manifests itself physically. 100% agreed. Yeah. And so in a way, you must have a clear picture of what you want to communicate. And if that picture is in your headspace, like say, used to be like, ho- hopefully on, on, on pretty good days, like 90 to 95%, hopefully 100%, you know what you want to communicate in the music. And now all of a sudden it's, 70 30 maybe 60 40 40 percent news then of course your Mm -hmm. intentions aren't going to be as well defined and you're not going to be making music as 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 concisely as you should in order to be effective and for me that's why creating videos and content 
is a way for me to focus solely on that moment in which I need to be very present in order to create what mm. I want to do. And maybe that's my little escapism for the day is creating my little video. Whereas practicing, it's not being documented. I'm just trying to work on my craft. But in the video, I know this is, I need to be exceptionally clear for my message to be heard. And so that's my way of clearing the mind. This is my creative distraction. Yeah. Even less fencing with the practicing scenario now, because you also don't know if you're going to have this job. So then you're sort of like all those sort of uh, external um, influences that make you want to rise to the occasion. They're just all fucking gone. I know. It's crazy. (laughs) Oh, but that, and I'm, I'm also loving the idea that people are having to be motivated differently now. And thinking on this idea, like going with your idea, Jess, like people <clears throat> yeah. have to self-motivate in a way that they've never had to motivate before. Because we, again, by the paradigm that was in place before, we had these outside st- stimuli that were causing our motivation. But now we have to self-motivate, which is, I think, going to be kind of a new, you know, again, a renaissance of, of sorts for and based out of fear, whatever that is, like the, we're going to see a whole new world of motivated people mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Agree? Disagree? Thoughts? Questions? Concerns? Doesn't that go right back to the <laughs> original point of like, gotta gotta put in the work? Because do the, the fucking question work. Then becomes right. how long can you last on that motivation? And we know most of the people who are listening to this podcast and us three, right? Like we're going to fucking get what is that? The Seth Godin dip, right? We're always mm. going to get through that dip somehow. Mm. Yeah. Um, but this is an opportunity for a, maybe a new group of people to join the fold. It's <laughs> true. Right. Um, okay. So as we're sort of coming to the end of this, let's have a, let's have a little discussion of where we can all leave with some maybe tangible okay, thoughts tangible. To put together. And Yeah. The best feeling one can go into any sort of high pressure situation where your everything rides on a, a moment is, I think, to think to oneself, I did absolutely everything I could do to be best prepared for this moment. Mm. Everything I had in control, I did. I had this big audition uh, recently in January in New York City where I was thinking about this a lot because this audition really mattered to me. I I wanted to get into the summer music festival and I months before started working very slowly, very, very slowly so that my preparation seeped into my bones. Mm. And then of course there are micro things that I like to do going into an audition or any performance. Yeah. um, Great to get great sleep. Um, eat a great breakfast, uh, warm up early, make sure your muscles and the blood's flowing incredibly well hours before you have to play. Eat a lot of bananas. What? That butterfly feeling I get in my stomach goes away. How did I not know this? On audition days, I will eat like five, six bananas. <gasps> Can't you overdose on potassium? Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't think from, but I don't think, no, it's gotta be, it's gotta be large amounts of potassium. <laughs> Bananas. Five bananas is a lot. I mean, it's a lot, yes, but it's not. (laughs) It's not a a morbidity dose. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, I died from just looking out for Nathan. Just just, uh, like hammering the cello, and you're like, (laughs) I got banana foam coming out of it. Just so much. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, um, For me, I I like to have very little social contact. 
before. An audition or a performance or all of the above? Ideally both, but I know given performances, you know, you you have to talk to a lot of presenters, things like that. So that is less in control, but basically you have to train like a monk in your cave in the mountains where no one sees <laughs> you for days. And then you come out an enlightened person ready for the moment. Um, I also really like to take a good dump before a performance. So Listen, solid. That ha- I mean, performance dumps are yep. key in every sport. Thank you. And every and across Nerv- every nervous, nervous dumps. Nervous dumps are like it's that's a thing. It's a thing. Because yep, the thing that messes me up is right before I go on stage, it feels like I really got to take a dump. Then you're thinking yeah. about that. Yes. Instead of the- so, then you have to take a dump before, and you say, "Oh, I know this isn't a real dump. It's a mind dump." <laughs> yep, it's a mind dump. Uh, a the mind funny thing dump. is, I actually, I actually enjoy having to pee before I go on and perform. Like there's really? a, there's a thing where I'm comforting? like, it's a, it's a thing where I'm like, I got to do something else. And then I kind of, my mind goes off on it. I'm like, okay, I'm thinking about this other thing. And then all the preparation, all the work that I've done is kind of in the forefront where my mind, and especially in mm. what we do, your mind gets in the way. Like you can mm-hmm. know the words and the lines and the blah, 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 and the blocking. Like, but if you get in your own way and start becoming self-aware, it's a huge problem. And I assume the same mm-hmm. thing is it, it, when you become self-aware, that's when you're like, I didn't play the right note. Oh, good. And then you like fucking start going crazy and you're like, my fingers aren't working. And then you shit your pants and on you top actually- of it. <laughs> and then what do you do? And then you actually shit all over the stage. Right. Then you actually take a dump on the stage, which I've done many, many times. Only my performance, not in my actual physical application of poo coming out my butt. <laughs> that's so funny so then okay Mm -hmm. so i my like the question to leave on is if the first thing you said in response to this was be as prepared as you can going in Mm -hmm. but we find ourselves in a moment in which we had no ability to prepare for it maybe we did i don't know maybe we were all at fault for not you know Mm. contingency planning for this (laughs) but let's let ourselves off the hook for a second and assume not right so is this our time to do all of those things that you just were talking about minus maybe like the constant pooing, um, <laughs> you know, to s- prepare for whatever is next? Like, is this our get prepared, take the time to do the things and work your skills so that when we have to meet this next month and year, mm. we've done all we can to be prepared for it? Um, so I guess the one caveat to my, to my whole spiel is of course it's not always possible to prepare to the best of your ability. Life happens. Coronavirus. I don't know. Whatever. My my. I've been thinking about this a lot, but one of my goals in terms of performance is so that is that the delta between my absolute best day and my worst day is as small as possible. Does that make sense? Why? What's the reasoning? Because then you develop a consistency of performance where you can be confident that even though you di- you weren't in peak performance, perhaps you still are happy with your output. It's as close to the final product of what you want as it could be based mm-hmm. off of the practice and the work that you've put in. Mm-hmm. You can't be on all the time, but if you can make your off as close to your on, I think that's a very good goal to have. Got, listen, we've gone into a philosophical diatribe. Woo! I love it. Uh, it's so good. Nathan, Nathan, where can people follow you? What do you have 
coming up next? What a terrible question to ask at this moment. But also, how fucking cool is it that you are having shit going on and doing it yourself? Yeah. yeah. How can What's we get next? in on this? Uh, well, you should follow me on all my social media channels at Nathan Chan Cello. That's C-E-L-L-O. And I'd love for our listeners to check out seattlesymphony.org slash live, which is going to be every day publishing a new musician's uh, solo, a 90-second clip of what we've been doing during these troubling times in coronavirus. And uh, I think those are sort of the two main things I'd love for our listeners to look out for. We'll put the links up in the show notes. Yes. Nathan Chan, we've been waiting so long oh, to have coffee with you, awesome. and it did not disappoint. This was Nathan awesome. Chancello, we give you, we bid you <laughs> Nathan adieu. Chancello. Awesome. Nathan Chancello, we bid you adieu. Uh, adieu. Oh, thank you so much, man. We appreciate you. Adieu, adieu for you and you and you. Thank you. I feel like you might have a massive edit job coming up. I'm so sorry. My favorite thing about Nathan Chan, and I have a lot of things I like a lot about him, is like the way he seamlessly flip-flops from like hilarious dropping fuck bombs all over and talking about pooping your pants to like cerebral, insane, yogi level fucking wisdom about being an artist. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> it's yeah, that was a very interesting philosophical and tangibly wonderful conversation i've i've got so many thoughts on it um go 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 he's fucking amazing second of all he's fucking super talented uh which we all know and then he's also fucking hysterical like he's one of the funniest dudes like just his personality he's so warm and bubbly and like that i've been voice and he's like this fuck it's so wonderful to speak to him and like watch him do his thing because he loves to talk with his hands too he's like extremely gesticulates a lot and like his thoughts are mimicked by his movements Mm -hmm. you patreon viewers out there it's he's he's fascinating it is fascinating and i love his philosophy too because it seems like he's you know he's so much wiser than his years as i say like you know it's taken me for 40 fucking years to like actually have a quarter of the thoughts that this guy's had that's so true man you've lived a fucking life man i'm like wow what is that like is it the the world that you live in is it the you know the the classical world and drew ford and ken were the same way they're like they seem so much more mature than they are and i maybe it's the 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 world that they live in and how they have to like present themselves in a way or something like that but it's just it's it's mind-boggling and wonderful to see like a younger generation at least a few years younger than us or a decade or whatever and i see it in my brother as well like the maturity level is just mind-boggling i also just really appreciated how honest he was like this is one of the arguably best cello players in the entire united states much less the fucking world read his bio it's ridiculous um, and you know he's sitting here being like I don't have the answers either I'm sitting trying to rehearse for 15 practice and I'm, I can't stop looking at the reddit thread on coronavirus right so to go back to our theme of, of the last couple of episodes is like you know it's okay to be anxious but like keep putting the fucking work in like you'll yeah. get we'll get through this both We're things at the same it. time <laughs> absolutely you can do both things at the same time and both things are honored and valid and you are not doing something wrong if you are anxious about the time that we're in right now just keep doing the work do what makes you happy and we'll get through this shit together anxious or not like we're gonna get through it well that's it for this third episode of our corona apocalypse series on take me to coffee (laughs) (laughs) oh and you know the drill now it's your turn wash your hands 
Just wash <laughs> oh, yeah. your hands. One, Number wash one, your hands. Wash your hands. <laughs> Two, check out new episodes every Tuesday on your favorite bottle of cleanser. We're going to be right on the back of the bottle of cleanser. We've got a <laughs> corporate sponsorship. None of that's true. Number three, for special bonus content, including video clips from uh, the podcast. And once things go back to a little more normal, some extra bonus stuff only for you, head over to our coffee club at Patreon, www.patreon.com slash TM2C podcast. Your contribution helps us continue to make podcasts for you, with you, and completely ad-free. Nathan Chancello will be here. He will tell you. No one tells us what to do. Four, download these episodes and leave us a review so we can emerge from the dark corners of that sweet podcast swamp which i have to imagine is only getting murkier and muddier because everybody's got so much time on their hands they're like i want to make so many podcasts so (laughs) many podcasts i i just i want to know how many corona podcasts there are right now oh there's actually data i'll send it to you oh i'm (laughs) so ready for that i'm andrew i'm jess we'll see you next week bye Two walk like two out the door, then you have magic.